I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Work Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Welcome back to our final episode of Work Stories Season 3. We're wrapping up this season with the wealth of knowledge that is Akisi Stokes. Akisi spent 30 years in finance and tech and is now founder of the game-changing company Wonder Grubs. She's so inspirational that, of course, she's done a TEDx talk, and now we're lucky enough to have her with us today. So tell us about your layoff. Oh, God. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> that was a crazy day. I've always had a knack, unintentionally, for finding out when companies are doing something fraudulent. <laughs> A knack. Wow. Yeah. Just in a quest to do the best job I can. I'm like, oh shit, wait, is someone stealing? So I always unintentionally just stumble into a case where a company isn't doing something quite kosher. In this instance, I thought I was going to retire with this company. I was like, I'm not moving anymore. And started seeing some funny things happening. And this is a nonprofit that serves kids. <laughs> And only oh, mm. yeah, mm. but ran like a corporation. So um, they're doing some funky things. And that particular day, I wasn't supposed to come into work. I was supposed to be off. Call my manager. He and I had a great relationship. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to come in anyway, knock some things out, but I'll be a little late. The teenager's having a meltdown. <laughs> so she has her meltdown and he calls me back and he's like, hey, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm just dropping her off to school. I'm headed to the office. And he was like, I just got laid off. And I'm like, dude, quit playing. And he was like, no, they just, just walked me out. (laughs) So my manager, he was a senior, senior exec. He's like, oh yeah. And they just laid off so-and-so, his boss, who's a senior VP. They just laid him off as well. And I'm like, what? He's like, oh yeah. And by the way, they laid off one of your teammates. (laughs) Okay. So it's looking like, it's looking like you're laid off. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm next. He was like, I don't know. I was like, no, no, no. There's no way they've laid off you, your boss, and my peer, and they're not coming for me. And mind you, we had a really close unit, and there was one more person on our team. I was like, they're probably not going to lay him off. Two more people, rather. Now, we were some of the top producers, but we were also some of the more ethical producers. Mm. We kind of already knew we were under fire a little bit from this new regime that was coming in. There were instances where they tried to lie on us and say we did things we hadn't done. And luckily, I have always kept really good records. There's another thing for the people out there. Always keep notes. 
always keep records and always refer back to them. They will save you time yeah. and time again. But anywho, so I come into the office. So I already know at this point that I'm probably getting laid off. I log into my computer, but they think I'm off that day. So I download everything I want to download. Ooh. Yeah, I always do that. I like a little sneak like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know <laughs> my stuff. No, no, no. Right. As nice as I am, about 90%, that 2% of me is petty. So... <laughs> Only 2%, you're doing pretty good. Yeah, it's like, you're not keeping that. So, right. And also another tip, do not do personal stuff on your laptop. They are mm. always watching. I don't care what they tell you. They're always watching. I was in tech. We can see everything you do. Right. So anywho, by the time I get into the office, I'm ready. We were already packed. Coincidentally, we were supposed to be relocating to another floor. Oh, gosh. Me being me, having done this for a long time, when the move came up earlier, I went to the floor where we're moving to. And I come back to my boss and I'm like, dude, there are not enough cubicles for everybody. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I went to the floor. They told us not to go to the floor, but I snuck in there anyway. And I'm like, they're not enough. Because mind you, I've been in this for 30 years. I'm the analyst who would help the Decide who would get laid off. I know how this, what it looks like already. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, they're getting ready to lay some people off. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm like, no, I don't care what they're telling us. They're laying people off. We don't have enough money. And I'm looking and there are not enough cubes up there. So come back to the layoff day. So I get to the office, the exact for the CFO comes down. He's looking all sad. He's like, hey, Casey, you know, can you come to such and such's office? And I was like, yep, here, here we go. So I go down to the CFO's office and he's joy. He's got the face on. He's ready. He's in the doorway. And he's like, hey, Kesey, I'm so sorry. And I was like, hey, I'm going to cut you off right there, dude. I'm good. I know it's going to happen. You're going to lay me off, right? So I look into his office. The HR specialist is in there. And I was like, yep. You get ready to lay me off. <laughs> You're like waving, like, hi. Yeah. How are you? Like, How are you? How are you? having a pretty rough day. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, um, he's like, no. I said, oh no, no, no. I was like, you don't, you don't have to say anything. I was like, you can save your speech. I'm so good. I'm too old. Let's just go ahead and wrap this up. Is there a severance package? <laughs> he's, yeah. He's like, uh, yeah. So I was like, yeah, we don't have to belabor this. Can I see it? How long do I have to think to think about it? respond back to it. So she hands me the packet and I look through it and I was like, can I get back to you in 24 hours? And she's like, she's like, yeah, sure. Cool. No problem. And I said, okay, well, I think I'm good. <laughs> They're like, I'm so good. Do I have to stay the rest of the day? Can I like leave now? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I surprised myself, honestly, I felt like this elation and I was like, I'm not supposed to be feeling elated. You know, I'm talking to myself in my head. You're getting laid off. Why are you excited about this? Yeah. That surprised me. They were like, this is the happiest exit we've ever had. <laughs> You're like grabbing highlighters on your way out. Like you guys have a great day. You really stay blessed because it's hard out here. <laughs> I, was, I was like, it's a beautiful day. Oh my God. I thought about all the things. So I get up. They're still sitting there and they get up and they're like, um, he's like, I don't even know what else to say. I was like, there's nothing to say. And I told the HR specialist, I was like, Hey, you handled this with real grace. You know, thank you for treating me as a human. Um, I wish you guys luck and I'll see you later. <laughs> so yeah. I come out. Some of my peers are like, Oh my God. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't feel bad for me. This is so great. I go and pick up my box and I'm like, guys, I'll see you later. No, no, no. Stop crying. I'm so fine. At the time, I was also, we were a couple of years into the business. And so we were working by day, me and Kareem, and like doing Wonder Grubs at night. So I was exhausted. Oh, yeah. And you just needed a nap that day. I just probably. Needed a nap. <laughs> that so whole reaction was about a nap. It was about a nap. So that <laughs> evening, I already had a panel. 
for Wonder Grubs with the Women's Association. And I was also at the same time in a social impact accelerator with an organization called Center for Civic Innovation. So they had a co-working space. So immediately when I leave the company's office, I go to the co-working space for the cohort and I tell them what happened and they're like excited. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll never forget what one of the cohort members said to me. She said, no, no, no. Don't be sad. You did not get laid off from this organization. You just got promoted at Wonder Grubs. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, literally. And so this is December, 2019, right before COVID. Right. But that night I had the panel for Wonder Grubs and we've taken off since, like hasn't stopped. It seems like you moved around a lot though. Yeah. First job was done in Bradstreet Software. They had just bought like a company called GX Software. So that was happening a lot in the 90s. Like dot coms everywhere. Everybody's gobbling everybody. Pensions had gone away during that period. 401ks were coming into play. And so we Generation Xers were considered foreign. Like they had tapes about us in the orientation. How do you work with the Generation (laughs) Xers? Like, how do you control you, basically, is what it sounds like. Basically. And so we were considered to be rebellious. I was the youngest on my team. They were all what I call lifers, people who had worked for the company their entire lives, Mm -hmm. either straight out of high school or college. And so I definitely came in. It was during the 90s, an employee's market. So you could ask for a Beamer during the interview. What? Yeah, and get it. Like, I asked for $20,000, $30,000 time on bonuses. So our bonuses were tens of thousands of dollars. On top of your salary, there were Christmas parties at five-star hotels. There were finance. So I was in finance when I first came out. Mm. Interned with Dun & Bradstreet Software. Then they hired me later. You know, so there were real Christmas parties. There were real conferences. Perks. (laughs) There were perks. You know, I'm like, I don't want a 401k. Like, you can save your pen. I want my money up front. Right. My husband actually had a friend where she took a job and they were like, you know, you're really great talent. We don't we're not going to be able to pay you enough. And she was like, that's cool. Just pay off my student loans for me. And they did. So that was the era that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Part of me hearing that is like, I want to go back. I'm in the wrong time. But also you had to cut off your locks and do God knows what else. When I came out of college, so my husband and I both went to Emory University. I had locks. He had locks also. And I had one of my mentors who had a fro, Joy, who came to me and said, you're going to have to cut your locks. And I'm like, what? This is 1994. She was like, you cannot go into the workplace with locks. They are not going to hire you. She was absolutely right. So I cut the locks. I get a fro. I get hired at Dun & Bradstreet Software. And I was a, you know, young black woman in finance. And I also knew tech. My dad was a hardcore programmer. And so I had an aptitude for it. And that's how I found kind of a niche. So you're working with people who are coming out of 30, 40 year careers, working with someone who's just coming into the market, you know, fresh out of college. So there were lots of migrations everywhere. You know, everyone's going from mainframe to SaaS systems. A lot of these executives didn't know how to do that, but I did. And so that's how I figured out how to create a 30 year career for myself. of like following the market. Where's the market going? Which company is following the market? That's the company I need to apply for. Who do I know they are? Which company fits my values and will let me do what I want to do as a young up-and-coming finance slash tech talent. 
Mm -hmm. those are the companies that I would go to. So it's very intentional. You did like federal too, right? And nonprofit. And so a lot of people feel like you have to pick a camp, right? Like you're going to be federal forever. You're going to be nonprofit forever. Like how did you feel comfortable moving around those different environments? Both parents went to Duke, married at Duke University. I grew up the formative years at Duke. Okay. So that wasn't traditional. It was unconventional. My dad, because he was a programmer, didn't get drafted to Vietnam. They kept him here to work on computer systems. And so met a lot of diverse people. And I'll say this because it matters later. Like my godmother is white. My best friend was a little redheaded girl. And then parents get divorced and I moved to Thomasville, Georgia. Mm. Way down south, total culture shock, segregated. I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know what. I couldn't articulate it. Couldn't really formulate it, you know, as a five-year-old. Um, got introduced to my grandfather, self-made man, a sharecropper who got his 40 acres and a mule and then some. Had amassed like four or 500 acres, sold some to a school, sold some to the county for a road. And so as a little girl, he was old, but still active enough for me to help him continue farming until he couldn't see anymore. Mm-hmm. Very wise man, you know, built his own home, eighth grade education, carried $10,000 in his pocket at any given time and taught me a lot of life lessons. The segregated part of town that I lived in in Thomasville were very insulated. So all of the models that I saw, you talk about taxi drivers, teachers, you know, store owners, they were black. So there was never an instance for me of like, I can't Mm -hmm. because this is what I saw. They were insulated because, you know, of quote unquote segregation. That wasn't something I was thinking about as a kid. So fast forward to college, I come to college and for me, Joy, there's no sense of I can't. Preacher's thing, he was never tied to things. He was like, this is just a house. If it burns down tomorrow, who gives a shit? You know, it was kind of his attitude. Yeah. Um, he was like, don't get attached to things. But hearing him talk about all of the different jobs he'd had throughout his life, you know, and seeing my mom get blacklisted and different things happen to her, being a highly educated Black woman coming back to this small town, but still being able to carve out professional service jobs for herself, doing what she needed to do, instilled a sense of me of like, there was no, I can't. It was like, how do I get to where I want to be and how do I need to get there? So it was very intentional about mapping out what I wanted, what type of lifestyle I wanted, how much money I wanted to make, and what type of employee experience I wanted. I followed the market, not a company. Mm -hmm. I had no allegiance to a company because I realized early on they had no allegiance to me. I had interchangeable skills. I was intentional about building my skills. So one, so many companies were gobbling each other up. So many companies were up and coming and new. You know, my dad and I would argue, although he was a programmer, my dad was like, you're switching jobs every three to five years. And I was like, that's the only way I'm going to stay alive. I was like, dad, two of my companies are already defunct. Right. Or acquiesced. Two, I knew that I wasn't going to go up the ladder in money if I stayed with one company for 15 years. I'd still be making $30,000. So with that, it gives you a freedom of, I can move from Dun & Bradstreet to Xerox, to the Carter Center, to the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, to this and that, without feeling some sense of guilt <laughs> of like, I shouldn't change jobs every three to five years. Right. Then I had some friends who would give me flack and I'm like, I don't care. I just jumped twenty thirty thousand dollars $30,000 in salary. <laughs> Yeah, that definitely rules out, I think, over that <laughs> loyalty. <laughs> like, we are not loyal. I will le- listen. I will leave anything and anyone for a $30,000, $40,000 jump. Yeah. Yeah. Or going from an analyst now to a manager. You know, so, right. but I also, like I said, I was very intentional about, okay, what does the market need right now? And how does a Casey Stokes Nelson fit into that market? The market needs analysts right now 
what type of analysis skills do I have? What is this company's strategic goals? Like you need to understand, again, that market first. Okay, healthcare is ruling. Okay, what companies are in healthcare? Okay, what are those companies in healthcare have the type of company values or perks that I want? Okay, now what jobs does that company have? And that's how I was able to navigate for 30 years. And who do I know there? The networking is key and not burning bridges. So tell me, like, especially when you went to college, right? So you're going to school in Atlanta. You're back in a diverse environment, city environment. When it starts to click to you some of the more evils of the segregation you were experiencing, right? You know, your later childhood. And you kind of started to put pieces together to realize what was really going on. How did you not let that tarnish that confidence you had built from, you know, your parents and your grandfather and, and that experience? Um, So my family kind of prepared me for what I was going into. They're like, look, this is not the world necessarily. You know, you live in America and these are the certain ills that come with it, but these are also the benefits. And so everybody has something. You're not special because you are an African-American woman. You know, this is the experience you may have in this country, but there are people in other parts of the world and other countries who have their own challenges mm-hmm. they have to deal with. So for my grandfather, we called him preacher. There was never a sense of you're special, you know? So he would relay stories of like how he grew up with no ceiling and no floor in his house. And he was like, at the end of the day, I don't care what anyone else does. You are responsible for you and your actions, period. I don't care what happens. I don't care what anyone says to you. And you need to think about the consequences of every action you make in the worst case scenario. And if you're okay with that worst case scenario, then go for it. If you're not, you need to chill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So coming to Atlanta, his thing was always understand who you are dealing with. As I started meeting people, I realized sometimes they may have been of my race and not of my kind. Mm-hmm. And someone who's not of my race doesn't mean they're not kind. So even with all of the ills, also learning the dichotomy of dealing with someone just one-on-one. Yeah. You know, like at large, these evils may exist for all of these different reasons, but right now I'm just dealing with joy. Who is joy? How does joy treat me? Mm-hmm. And be honest about how I see Joy move and believe her when she tells me who she is, for better or for worse. For people who want to understand people that they're working with, what would you say they can do to sharpen their instincts? Because it seems like you have great instincts. Um, Talk to older people. <laughs> <laughs> Have some older friends. As I age, you know, our daughter, she's 18, freshman year in college. You know, she'll introduce us to someone or we meet some of her friends. And you've seen this person now 50 times because you're 50 years old and you're like, nope, not her. Right. (laughs) Yep. Nope. Not him. Because you've seen it before, you know, you don't have to do a whole lot of analysis. And so there are definitely elders within the company who would say, you know, be mindful of this and listening to them. Also observing how people treat other people in the company. Mm -hmm. Um, If they do someone else dirty, it's going to eventually come your turn. Again, you're not special. But also being accountable, you know, there's some things that I've done that I've had to cop to and it was really uncomfortable. And I've had managers tell me, oh my, you're really honest. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why wouldn't I be? Yeah. And again, knowing your worth, dig your heels in and make sure that you are worth the talent that they're paying you for. Going to Emory was not enough. You know, like I also need to make certain I'm doing this. Even now at 50, I'm still learning stuff and making certain that I'm like, okay, what new technology is out there? You got all kinds of tools now, Udemy, and like, I need to take a certificate class. So keep your skills honed as well and transferable. Yeah. Lastly, maintain your integrity at all times. 
So you are talented and confident. You operate in these career spaces with great strategy. What does that mean for you looking like you? What has happened? What has not happened? Um, What happened initially is that I made lots of money. I had lots of great experiences. I traveled a lot, but there literally came a day. And I remember that day. You know, initially coming out of school, I wanted to be a CEO that like, that was it. That was my goal. And at some point I realized what I was going to have to give up to do that. And I remember the day, you know, I had a discussion with my manager and was like, are you ready to go to the next step? And I scraped and clawed and cried, you know, on my way to get there. And I was finally at a point I was going to make it. And I realized I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to make the sacrifice. I, Mm. I actually did want to have a kid, you know? Yeah. I actually did want to have a relationship. I did not want to have a heart attack at 40. And seeing it my 20s, people having heart attacks at 40s and sales reps coming to me saying, don't do it. I miss my kid's graduation. I'm on my third marriage. You know, just. What? Wow. Yeah. And those are things that people typically don't talk about. And so it was like, I had the tenacity to do it, but I was like, what do I have to sacrifice? And I was like, I don't want to do that. Do you think that's a sign of the times or do you think that is something that people are still facing today? It was the sign of the times. Mm -hmm. I think what's happening now is people's priorities are changing. I also think technology has allowed more latitude for that Mm -hmm. because you can now work from anywhere. You don't have to fly to to these three cities to have these in-person meetings. And although some of the technology existed then, the organizational behavior had not changed. So I think it's a lot more possible too with technology to carve out a small enough niche to make enough money to survive and be okay. You don't have to make $300,000 to be okay, depending on how you live and where you live. Look, I'm like, are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, "Mm." I don't, I was with you up until this marker. I was all behind you. (laughs) But again, I realized it's a sacrifice regardless of what choice you make. Yeah. So you can live without making that top dollar if you give up X, Y, and Z. Right. But I think there's a lot more flexibility to do that than it was even for us coming into this digitized age in the nineties and, you know, the clubs are popping and the music's popping and the money's popping and flowing. And, you know, nobody was thinking about sustainability in the nineties. We were all about excess. So I think some, we're going to have to make some changes. Seems like we have a long way to go. We do. It's possible. It's just, do we want to do it? Yeah. Okay. Tell us about Wonder Grubs. I have so many questions, but like, tell the people what they need to know. Um, in short, Wonder Grubs is an ag tech company that produces and manufactures insect protein into food, feed, and fertilizer. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I just said what everyone else out there is going to be thinking listening to this. Like, okay, so these are like mealworms, right? These are mealworms, which are technically not worms. Okay. They're actually larvae of a beetle that's called the darkling beetle. Mm. So they have the most protein in them at that stage. It's like the second stage of their four stage life cycle. So my husband and I got in, started it, you know, for food relief. Um, purposes. And then we realized that these animals were really incredible and that they needed to just be introduced as another protein option that is affordable. 
accessible and can also be produced extremely sustainably. So you guys were just casually saving the planet on the side while you were working your full-time job, basically? Basically. <laughs> so so this seems like the perfect product to take to the most vulnerable countries, right? And make sure that people are getting at least like the basics of what they need. Yeah. And the beauty is you can take it to any place. Mm-hmm. So when COVID hit, people, of course, thought we were crazy until food supply chains were disrupted. People realized that food insecurity wasn't just limited to economics. So when we talk about equity, our equitable food systems, typically the the first go-to is quote unquote poor people. Equitable means that regardless of where you are on the bell curve, you should be able to access food, whether you have a million dollars or not. Mm -hmm. That for us is equity. So is there a part of this that also is centered around like better health? Yeah, definitely. So of course, you know, food insecurity typically, you know, disproportionately in this country affects those not just in urban areas, but also rural areas. You know, you hear the the euphemistic, the food desert, coupled with food swamps. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about obesity and those type of things, they're still considered to be malnutrition. You know, we typically think of famine, but I'm like, no, obesity is also malnutrition. You're eating lots of food, but it's poor quality food. Mm-hmm. And so again, in those same communities, you've got, you know, an overrun of diabetes and high cholesterol, et cetera, et cetera. And so this is definitely a cleaner, more affordable protein. It's lightweight. You can carry it. We're working with Georgia Tech and, and those are some of the things we talked about from an engineering standpoint. What is, you know, an equitable food system? look like. And I'm like, imagine being 70 years old, it's hot, you're on the train and you've got limited income and you've got to walk to the store. Are you going to get a lot of canned goods and heavy meats? You can't carry them back. But this protein is lightweight. So small little things like that, that may not be considered. Oh my God, that's so cool. And this is so not something I ever would have thought about. When we got into it, that was a big thing too. Like we're talking about bugs, you know, and I'm from the South. Bugs are a pest, not food. Right. Um, I'm trying to get them out of my house. (laughs) Yeah, right. And so we have a whole industry around exterminating. You know, we're constantly trying to figure out how to get rid of them. Even in agriculture, how do you keep this bug from, you know, destroying my crops? You can't. And and so they have fiber, they have protein, they have phosphorus, they have B12, they have all types of macro and micronutrients. They have all nine amino acids. They're great gut cleaners. I've used them to help me boost my iron. We eat them versatile, the flavor profile. You can use them in sour, sweet, and salty foods. Quick plug here. If you want to find out more, check out the TEDx talk. We talk about all these things. Um, So yeah, so a lot of health benefits. And again, you don't need a lot of inputs. So you don't need water to grow them. Direct application actually kills them. You know, we feed them food waste or just like starchy fruits and vegetables. So you don't, they don't require a lot to maintain. Mm -hmm. You can use their waste as fertilizer. So you can use every part of the animal for something. So what's the best way if somebody is like feeling brave and you know, it's brave because this is a new concept for people, right? Um, What is like the food that they should first try it in? Would you say? We started with a cookie. Okay. So, oh, yeah. Not yeah. threatening. So my husband was, yeah, that was it. And my husband was like, okay, we need, he was a genius at, he was like, no, we don't need to create new stuff. No, no, no. He was like, it's already an insect. You know, mm-hmm. we need to just put it in familiar foods that people eat every day and just like mm-hmm. show them how to replace their protein or supplement. And so we started out with the cookie, as you said, because it's non-threatening, it's familiar. Um, we start out with a chocolate chip cookie. We can grind it into a powder. People can't see it. You know, so we thought a lot about how Americans eat 
And so once we started just spouting health benefits and and also people couldn't see it and it smelled okay, looked okay, Mm. they would taste it and they were sold. Oh gosh, I got to try it. I got to try it. It's now, I got to do it. And are you all vegan? We are not. Although I have been vegan um, Mm. in a past life for like eight years. Um, No. So we don't really subscribe to anything. Like we may not eat meat sometimes. We may, you know. We would, like we eat, we, would, we just go with how we feel. Um, mm-hmm. Although I did, so, you know, when you're asking about childhood stuff, my mom, I think probably was like the precursor or the model for sustainability for me. Like sustainability wasn't an outcome. It wasn't a thing. It was just mm-hmm. how we lived. Wow. And husband kind of had the same kind of background. Um, so this is just normal for us. Okay. I, I guess my first thought was like, oh, a protein for people who aren't getting protein in the ways that a lot of us traditionally get them, this could be a good resource for. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I have one last question for you. So doing a new business, you're working full time and you're doing your business on the side. A lot of people you know, have similar goals. They have an idea and they are trying to do double duty or want to do double duty. It's hard to balance, particularly when their career move is untraditional. Like, I think Wonder Grubs, I think we can all agree, is like not a normal yeah. everyday <laughs> business decision, yeah. right? Like, yes. like you know, the work behind it is very different than starting a candle line, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> so, yes. Yes. Let's speak to people who want to do something non-traditional, revolutionary. What advice would you give to them about stepping outside of their comfortable nine to five and placing their faith in that idea? I would say don't do it so soon. Like you still have to live. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times people say, you, you know, you got to give 100% to it and jump off the cliff. And I'm like, uh-uh. Did have people challenge me when we we're starting out. And I was like, dude, I got bills. <laughs> you know, right? And, you know, I have a husband and a kid. I would say start with an accelerator cohort of some kind if you can. I had a partner, which was very helpful. There's some people who are going it solo. It is Mm -hmm. a lot easier sometimes to have someone to work with. So you're not stuck in an echo chamber and can bounce ideas off of people. Tap into the federal dollars that have been given in different areas to help businesses get started. And if you need to keep your your day job, then keep your day job until you have enough steady income from this to take that leap. And, And for some people, you know, it's like you get pushed out there. Like I got pushed out there before I was ready. Realize it, it will consume you. It will be a part of your life. You'll think about it probably every waking moment. And just to make sure you put some healthy boundaries in place just to do some self-care. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I am a proponent of keeping your day job until you are pretty comfortable that you have a sustainable model, that you really understand your customers. Your business is whatever you want it to be and, and, and be careful not to let other people define it for you because you can get lost in other people's goals for you in your business if you're not careful. Amazing advice. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. I hope you all were taking notes because you just got mountains of advice from our last guest. Definitely go check out Wonder Growth. This season has been so fun, and I know I shouldn't be shocked, but remain stunned, jaw on the floor, about how so many different women, ones who walk through the world with such a heavy weight, have managed to stay empowered and soldier on through their careers and lives with such positivity and hope. I want to hear more of your stories. So if you or someone you know wants to share your workplace experiences as women of color, definitely reach out to me. And if you're listening from Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a review after this. New listeners are reading your reviews to see if Work Stories is worth their 30 minutes. Is it worth it to you? Tell us. 
Have a great week and we'll talk in the new year. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.